Joe, Josh, and Adam coming to you live from wherever. This is the Little Green Men Show. Mr. Carpenter, <laughs> what is an NFT with these NUFs? All the celebrities are buying. Well, I feel like to really tell the whole story, we have to kind of start with crypto and then mm-hmm. move into like NFTs and then staking and liquidity pools and stuff like that. But um, I know that you and I have talked uh, at some length about crypto <clears throat> in general and some of these topics. But the really like the the genesis of it, um, I mean, really, it probably came from the idea of like having something that people can't track, right? Like a, a decentralized currency is not tied to a, to a state. Um, it's just, it, you know, the the value of that currency is derived from what people assign to it and nothing else. You know, it's not tied to gold. It's not tied to stocks, anything like that. And um, I think the idea of crypto has been around since like the 80s, okay. the, just the concept of crypto. But the what really kicked the whole thing off is, as everybody knows, Bitcoin. Um, and Bitcoin in its infancy was used a lot for, um, you know, black market trading of illicit goods and people and stuff like that. And, uh, so that was kind of where it started to, to get some traction. And there's a, a story that I think back on very often from like 10 plus years ago, my brother, I was living down in Texas at the time and my brother, he he had dropped by my house. He he traveled uh, for work. And uh, so he just happened to be down in Texas, but he, he came to my house and he was like, hey, man, like, have you heard of this this thing called Bitcoin? And I don't recall what the price was. It was probably like 50 bucks a coin or something like that, you know, and yeah, what, uh, roughly what year would that have been, you think? Probably like 2012 or something. Yeah. If I had to guess, maybe 11. Um, and uh, so, you know, I'm looking at this stuff with him and I'm like, well, it used to be less than a penny. Per coin, you know, like if we go and throw even a couple hundred dollars into it or, you know, a couple thousand dollars into it, uh, you know, I don't want, I don't want to lose everything that we put into it. And at the time, you know, I was young, um, had a couple kids and uh, <laughs> we we're pretty broke. So yeah. uh, <laughs> to, to drop a few hundred dollars on on a crypto that nobody knew anything about at the time just kind of seemed crazy. Right. And in hindsight, you know, everything is hindsight. Twenty, uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um I'm like, damn, I, I wish that we had jumped into some Bitcoin at the time. But my brother and I talk about it often because, you know, if we had done that, then, um, you know, maybe when it hit like $5,000 a coin or shit, even $500 a coin, we probably would have been like, oh, shit, uh, you know, mm-hmm. cash it in my chips and and going home. So um, it is what it is. But now that I have that hindsight and a little bit more liquidity of my own, um, you know, I'm much more willing to, you know, throw a couple bucks here and there at, at different things. Um, so I, a lot of what I've been doing personally has just been diving into it to to re- really to understand it, not even necessarily to like try to profit off of it. I mean, you know, if there's profit, then there's profit. But in something as volatile as crypto, you're going to have a lot of ups and downs. But um, it all started with Bitcoin and Bitcoin really was was created as a um, just as a means by which to to like use a currency that wasn't tracked or tied to a state. Um, the interesting thing about Bitcoin is that nobody to this day knows who created Bitcoin. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Do uh, do you know how many like coins were minted entirely or 
Well, they weren't. So there. That's the thing with Bitcoin is there. There are X amount that are like possible. Um, okay. They could. They could come into existence, but uh, but Bitcoin itself has to be mined. So it, it is like a very laborious process. I mean, of course, you know, all of that labor is done by computing. Um, but the the more mining that's been completed, the harder it is to like continue mining the rest. Um, and so it's it's the the it's very quickly losing its profitability mining is mm-hmm. um th- there's a lot of mining tied to like ethereum and and some other coins but but most of it was tied to bitcoin i mean there was actually like one one group that bought a, like a defunct dam and like refurbished <laughs> it so that they had the power to like they run used the farm. energy from the dam that's crazy yeah um there's there was a lot of people uh... that were up in arms about it but but like a, they were actually producing enough energy that they were able to put back into the grid. So that's nuts. Yeah, that's pretty wild. You were about to ask something though. Yeah, it was, uh, the only like thing I learned about mining really was there was a couple companies that were publicly traded, and I didn't have like a Coinbase or any kind of wallet at the time, so I could just use those at the same time that whatever the Bitcoin or Ethereum was going up, and the price of that would go straight up too. Kind mm-hmm. of like I can't remember what they were now, but yeah, a couple of pump and dumps on those. Yeah, yeah. So the the way that I think about Bitcoin though is that it was the first, and it still has utility just in terms of being like a raw currency. But there's a lot of crypto that's coming out now that that has utility just beyond the obvious of being um, a currency. And a lot of a lot of the crypto that's coming out now, there it's built on like partnerships between companies and um, infrastructure, you know, like Web three and stuff like that. So there's there's a lot of it, it started out really just as kind of a pure currency, and it's evolved beyond that now into other things. Um, and some of those things I'll talk about in a minute. But mm-hmm. um, XRP is a good example of one that was created to have utility. And uh, I know that you and I have discussed this again, but XRP was designed to replace SWIFT payments. Uh, so like domestic and international bank-to-bank transfers, yep. they're they're cumbersome. They cost a lot of money to do. And so when you're doing transfers, it that, that cost is relayed back to the consumer. Well, using XRP, um, if or when it becomes stable, it allows them to move that money uh, instantly and at, at you know fraction of fractions of a penny like it's super cheap to do it um so so there's there's appeal there now i want to say that like none of this is in any way like financial advice like i'm not saying go buy yeah, XRP yeah, yeah. because it has utility um because xrp the the company that that owns xrp or created xrp rather uh, they did they were they were sued by the sec uh, for for various different things and uh, or the FTC and um, I believe that they've come to an agreement uh, but there's you know there's a lot of people who are hopeful and they're like man once once this gets behind them like XRP is going to be cranking it's going to be through the roof yeah. uh, but then you have the other side of that argument that's like no the, the government's going to win and their XRP is going to go to zero you know so take take from that what you will um, and then you have, you know, the Ethereum's again, uh, originally designed kind of purely as a as a currency, but then 
Ethereum, what, what, what that evolved into was uh, being able to ride other cryptos or blockchains on the Ethereum platform. And so um, that's where you started to see like NFTs and uh, and stuff like that coming into fruition is, is people were <clears throat> using Ethereum as like the um, the vessel for which to like carry the NFTs. The problem with Ethereum is that it costs a stupid amount of money. I, I, so if you wanted to send like $10, depending on the gas fees, gas fees are like transfer fees. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, depending on when you wanted to transfer it, like what time of day and how congested the networks were, it might cost you $40, $50, $100 to move something that maybe like, even if you just wanted to move $5 worth of Ethereum, right? So it's not very cost effective. If you're if you're doing things in bulk, maybe, uh, but but it, but it is very cost prohibitive. And because of that, Ethereum is now moving from a proof of work, basically, like you mine this, and um, that's you know how we, we prove it exists, um, to a proof of stake. And so stake is like just literally the act of holding the Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind that is that once that occurs, which should be in the next couple of months, that uh, the, the the cost of those gas fees will go down substantially, um, because there was a, there was a lot of coins that were created in response to Ethereum's high gas fees. Um, so that's where you get like the polygons, which uh, trades as MATIC, um, and Kronos, and some of the other ones that that. They can function on the Ethereum blockchain, but they can also be like a level two and function on their own. It's uh, I that that stuff is there. There's a lot to that that I don't really necessarily want to get into. But um, yeah. the the bottom line is is that like there there are now cryptocurrencies that can ride on the Ethereum blockchain, or they can ride separately on their own um, and and complete the same functions just without like. I guess the brand name <laughs> for lack of a better gotcha. term. I do, um, um, I do have a question and you, and you might touch on it. It might be the next thing you're going to talk about, but uh, like I've been kind of thinking like you'll see um, meme coins get pumped and dumped where the market can be super volatile and mm-hmm. can be by an Elon Musk tweet. You can follow that and you could probably make some money then essentially trade that to Ethereum or Bitcoin. There's got to be dangers and that right like how do you see any problem or how, way that that'd be taken care of or well i think eventually the government is going to pass some kind of legislation to to really hammer down like <clears throat> how they're going to treat and not not even just the u.s government i mean the european union already is uh, passing legislation that's really going to hammer down like what cryptocurrency is and um, by that definition, who regulates it and stuff like that. So, I, I think time will tell on that. Um, there's so many people now that are invested into cryptocurrency. I, I it seems very unlikely to me that the government would just come flat out, you know, like China and be like, "All right, that is no longer legal," um, just because there would be pretty substantial repercussions from that. But mm-hmm. the yeah, so there there is definitely dangers. Um, I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of scams. It's still, you know, the the idea of cryptocurrency is still young. So you're going to have the issues with like infrastructure and 
really just kind of like the, the user knowledge base of like how to navigate that world. Uh, one example of that is you have, there's two different types of wallets that you can hold cryptocurrency in. You have a warm wallet and a cold wallet. A warm wallet would be like if you had an account at Fidelity or TD Ameritrade or Schwab or something like that, and you held stocks in that account, uh, that that would be like a like a warm wallet, right? Um, it's very liquid. It's easy to access. You can get it out onto the markets yeah. very quickly. A cold wallet would be like if you went if you bought that stock through TD Ameritrade or Fidelity or Schwab or something or E-Trade, and you went to them and you said, "I want the physical stock certificates, and I'm going to keep them in my possession." Um, you know, even though it's kind of in a digital format, um, that would be kind of the real world analog to that. And when I say real world, I mean just like you know, physical, tangible world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To that. Um, so warm wallet. If you're using like a Kronos or a Coinbase or something like that, you're 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 buying that crypto, and you can hold it and do most things inside of that warm wallet. Um, but a cold wallet is where you really get like the security. Um, but the problem with either one of those wallets is usually you have it, like the again going back to the fact that it's called crypto, um, the the encryption that's tied to that is is usually pretty high, and so you'll get like a like a twelve word code it, that comes in like a certain order, and that's basically like your encryption key. And if you were to lose that, like let's say you had $10 million, and this has happened, this has happened with people all over the world where they had like millions of dollars worth of crypto in a cold wallet and they forgot the pin or like somebody died and nobody else knew what the pin was or something. And that and there was that, only so many chances to get the pin, right? I've seen like a couple well, of that, these That's videos. one example. Yeah. That might've been like a yeah. warm wallet or something. I, I don't know what wallet was being used there. Um, but like, if you lose that 12 word pin, that's it, man. Like, you, there's no like they can't be like, hey, we're gonna reset your password. Like that crypto is yeah. just gone. <laughs> so wow. it's um so it, when I say that like you have the risk of like user errors or something like that. Um, so even beyond the wallets, wallets themselves are it's a it's a pretty big chain of numbers and letters that create your wallet address. So like if I wanted to send you money, um usually the the most efficient and the safest way to do it is like if you were to go to your wallet and you know copy your wallet address and then send that to me and then i copied and pasted that to send you crypto um but like if one of those digits is off then that crypto is just off in la la land <laughs> oh man yeah so so it, it gets it gets a little dicey with stuff like that um <laughs> <laughs> so that and that's that's where that's just you know kind of an added layer of um concern there for for the the average person for the layman uh, in addition to the fact that you have that volatility now kind of going back to the original question of the volatility um the, there's a lot of shit coins there's a lot of legit coins you know like bitcoin and ethereum that maybe even started out as shit coins but have really kind of evolved mm -hmm. into something else um the the sheep coin the shibu inu coin you know it started yeah. out as a as a shit coin uh kind of in response to doge you know somebody was like hey there's a doge coin um elon's got a shibu inu i'm gonna make a sheep coin right <laughs> <laughs> and uh so people just make these fucking ridiculous coins and some of them have, have have utility um and some of them don't some of them are strictly just for shits and giggles somebody wants to make a million bucks um 
But then, you know, Shibu Inu, like that's again, like I, I think that that started out as kind of a shitcoin, but then they like started like building partnerships with people and they're like, hey, like we could use this for for, for these uh, movements of money or like you could use this for, you know, buying a Maserati or something. Right. And so they, so some of them actually start building these relationships with like PayPal or uh, Apple Pay or, um, you know, the Coinbase and uh, Crypto.com and stuff. And and they actually like create that utility uh, to go along with the coin. Uh, so I would, you know, I would be wary of the ones that aren't um, that. Well, they don't have utility, <laughs> but yeah, of course. but much like going to the casino or playing the stock market, you know, with with uh, uh, the the more risk you're willing to take on, the more potential reward opportunity there is, generally speaking. So, you know, if somebody releases a, a brand new coin and that coin is trading for a hundredth of a, a penny and you're like, hey, you know what? Um, this one looks like it could have some utility and you threw a hundred bucks at that. I mean, you, you know, you got like a million coins now. If, yeah. if if there did, if there was actual utility or value derived from that coin, and it goes up to a dollar. Well, you just made a million dollars off a hundred, you know. And that's kind of that's the crazy thing about crypto is that opportunities like that exist. But then on the flip side of that, you know, um, I'll go back to Bitcoin as an example. Right now, I think it's trading at somewhere between forty and fifty thousand a coin. We'll say forty-five. Um, you know, at one point it was up to eighty, and at another point it was a hundredth of a penny, right? Um, <laughs> So you have those situations and the the thing with like Bitcoin is there's a finite amount in existence. Once it's gone, like, you know, it gets locked in a wallet or something like that. It's locked in a wallet. It's never going to be retrieved again. The mining becomes prohibitive at a certain point. It doesn't have any utility beyond just being like currently accepted as a payment and, you know, kind of functioning as its own currency. So maybe people are like, you know what? Bitcoin, it was the first. It's like the grandfather of crypto. It'll be forever memorialized that way, but it is not the future of crypto. And everybody just dumps it. And you just bought a coin for 45000 that's now worth a dollar. Um, you know, so, so again, you have those risks. Um, so there's a lot of nuances there. There's a lot to learn. There's also a lot of opportunity. I, I think it's important to note, um, and I'll kind of dive into this piece a little bit more uh, here soon, but um, you're going to have volatility, just like you do with stocks and, and bonds and stuff like that. They're, they're, volatility is just inherent <laughs> in... It definitely seems a lot more world. extreme than like than a lot of my stocks. Yeah, well, but it depends on, on you know, which stocks you're looking at, because I... What I've started to kind of observe myself lately or what it feels like, I can't say definitively without looking at, you know, side by side graphs and stuff is it if we were to go back just a few years, it, it felt like crypto was kind of counter cyclical to stocks. Like if stocks drop, then then crypto would go up. Uh, mm -hmm. But now it seems like, I, I you know, I'll get a notification that's like, you know, the Dow is down 300 points, but then I'll get another notification two minutes later that's like Bitcoin is down, you know, five percent. And so they, the the two seem to kind of be riding uh, in line with with the overall market sentiment, and the that's one of the more interesting facets of it to me is just that the the personality that that go like the kind of the collective personality that goes into the volatility of of stocks and crypto and uh, just financial markets in general. Um, so, with all of that, what questions do you have about crypto? 
this time, like, would, uh, is there anywhere you can show up right now and pay with cryptocurrency, like in person, like um, through a card or Coinbase or I don't know if they have Apple Pay, put your phone up to the app. I don't know how any of that stuff works. Or do you have to convert that entirely to USD or whatever somehow? So that conversion, what people call that, like in the, the crypto world is fiat. So fiat money okay. would be uh, like the US dollar, Canadian pound, the British mm-hmm. pound, the European um, uh, What's what's the oh euro the yeah. um, <laughs> you know South Korean won whatever the, those currencies like the state state tied uh, currencies are called fiat and then you have crypto I uh, I do know that there are certain uh, like Apple and stuff like that like they have a means by which to like integrate crypto into like payments uh, I don't know exactly what that looks like because I haven't done it um, but I do know that they're like crypto.com they have like a like a credit card you can get that is tied to your your crypto.com wallet and so like if you run it and all you have in your account is like chronos or something like that mm-hmm. that trades as crow cro um then it'll it'll run it out of that um, okay. so and, and again you know everything is still kind of in its infancy and i but i think for sure over the next couple of years barring any crazy legislation um that the crypto will be around for for the long haul and really kind of like be a piece of, of what the future looks like, whether or not that's like a, a state owned crypto. Um, you know, I know that there's been talk of like a USDC coin or like a USD coin. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. And, and other countries are considering stuff like that too. So maybe that's what the future of crypto looks like or, but there's a lot of people pushing for that, like decentralized uh, architecture for, for, yeah, just the digital world moving into the future. Uh, hopefully, it's not like a dystopian digital world. <laughs> yeah, um, leave like you know, nice green yard to to jump into the desert wasteland of the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So it, yeah, because I I've I've been like kind of thinking about that. Like my my wife's in sales and like high ticket items and. Like she'll get the occasional person like, "Hey, do you, do you accept Bitcoin?" And I'm just kind of thinking in my head like, "Man, I don't know how you would do that at that stage if it's not like an online transaction or I guess all transactions I'm kind of being online." But yeah, no, I've just put a little bit of thought into that. Yeah, and you know when when you do, if you go to a vendor, you know if you wanted to go buy a hot tub or a car or really anything you run your card that that vendor is working a cost into that you know mm-hmm. maybe two two to five percent whatever um for the you know whether it be visa or american express whoever it is that that actually runs that transaction um so i guess the the larger the purchase the, the more appealing something like a like a cryptocurrency becomes because it's going to be like a flat gas fee and not necessarily a percentage so when you're talking about ethereum you know and you want to move five dollars if you were to move a million dollars worth of Ethereum, uh, then it becomes much more appealing because you're like forty bucks to move a million dollars. You couldn't yeah. you couldn't accomplish that any other way. Um, so with that, you know, kind of going back to like the XRP that that's that's and there's other cryptocurrencies that are trying to accomplish the same thing as XRP, but um, that's one of the more well known ones. Um, 
you know, if they're able to get up, get that infrastructure up and running and be able to move large sums of money or even small sums of money for next to nothing, then, you know, those those kinds of payments where I go into your wife's dealership and buy a new car and I say, you know, here's my crypto wallet or let me send this to your to your dealership's wallet or something like that or just tap my card. And it, you know, it sends the the forty thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, then, uh, you know, it's it, it's much more appealing. I, I I do know that Tesla um, accepts cryptocurrency. Uh, yeah, a couple, a couple different cryptocurrency for for their car um, payments. Yeah, that definitely makes more sense. I have a warm and fuzzy now. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you know, um, I'm sure that there's somebody listening to this is probably going to have a lot more questions about crypto. You know, like what about this or what about that. And um, so I, if you have any more of those, I'd like to highlight those before I kind of jump into the next piece of NFTs. Yeah, I mean, generally, whenever I have like conversation like this, I'm just like, explain to me like I'm a six year old. Yeah. And I, I think that's probably the best way to do this because I don't realize what I know that somebody might not know. Um, yeah. So really, I'm just trying to think of would be a good question at all. Well, I I guess to kind of summarize it in that in that format, right? So cryptocurrency, you know, if you could think of a digital version of a dollar, you can keep it in your personal wallet, a cold wallet, or you can take it to the bank and store it in that warm wallet. Um, and you know, we'll we'll go back 40 years, maybe 30 years, when like debit cards and credit cards were really starting to to come into existence, come into fruition. Um, and say that like credit cards are, are kind of like that, like the, those new mediums of payment for for uh, products, goods, services with cryptocurrency is kind of like the emergence of uh, credit cards and debit cards, you know, 30 years ago, 35, 40 years ago. It's kind of the, the very short version. That's pretty good. Hopefully, I don't think of just 18 different things while yeah. we're on our next topic, which no, is probably how it'll go. Yeah, that's exactly how it goes. Um, I, much like yourself, man, I, I try to, whenever I try to learn anything new, I try to kind of start at like a baseline of zero. Like, I, I yes. it, with everything in the world, I, I try to see it like as if I'm an infant and really just trying to understand it from from nothing. And, uh, I, you know, I know a lot of people probably feel that way with crypto. They're like, I don't know shit mm-hmm. about coins and code and blockchains and i really i don't think that you need to uh, but it is in such an early stage and again you and i have talked about this but um that early adopter stage is where you want to be if you want to like be a part of something that that's uh well i, I would say um come out on top <laughs> with, with something yeah, that's if, new, you know talk about infancy or, do you do you think that we're still so early into this now like bitcoin's extremely high price for a single coin do you think now you would still be an early adopter at this point if bitcoin ended up being the be all end all coin no um well no to the bitcoin piece bitcoin i Bitcoin, I think, is more. I, I think what drives the, the the price of Bitcoin is is I like to think of Bitcoin almost as like an index for um, for cryptocurrency as a whole. 
Uh, so I like if you're, that a lot. Yeah. That helped me. Um, so when, when I look at Bitcoin and the price, the, the current price of Bitcoin, I, I see it as like a, a marker for, you know, just what the, the overall like cryptocurrency market is doing. Um, but everything else is so. I, don't, I, I mean, I, it, it's impossible to know if it's inexpensive or if it's expensive, like it really is impossible to know. Of course. And uh, you'll well, we will probably see hundreds or thousands more cryptocurrencies pop into existence and pop back out of existence. And um, I, I think we'll continue to see a lot of like reshuffling in the cryptocurrency space. You know, new coins coming out on top, uh, coins that were on top now kind of fizzling out into into nothingness. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. But I would I, I would say that, yes, we're still very much in the early adopter phase. What what defines that that early adopter phase is that less than fifteen percent of the population is is utilizing that technology, and I, I think we're so well below that. Everybody knows what cryptocurrency is, but not mm-hmm. everybody is using cryptocurrency. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't know if it's my group, my workspace. Most people I talk to are, you know, early forties to sixty is the majority of people i work with so i mean i think they'd probably that generate those generations would tend to be a little further behind the bell curve when it comes to new technology so they're like i don't want nothing to do with your (laughs) technology Uh, god damn betters fucking millennials all right actually i actually got a, a coinbase notification while we were talking about this nice um yeah nfts so that's kind of the next topic and nfts much like crypto itself and some other like i've really kind of (laughs) i've had this like morphing uh, on my mindset of a lot of things the last 10 20 years um but nfts when when the when the idea was first presented to me actually probably the first 20 times the idea was presented to me i was like that's you know that's hogwash you know that's ridiculous that's never going to take off and I did the same thing with cryptocurrency. And um, but the more that that I kind of like stopped to think about it and then started doing my own research, uh, the more I realized that I, that I actually think that NFTs have a place in the future as well. And, you know, this is uh, I don't know, this is Joe Carpenter, the philosopher or something. But <laughs> what I what I tried to do with uh, with crypto and NFTs was I tried to look at like what based off of current technology, what do I think the future is going to look like, you know, 5, 10, 20 years from now? And once I started to kind of look at it through that lens, um, what I started to realize is that NFTs are much like cryptocurrency to to fiat currency. NFTs are are basically the same thing, but to like existing products that that we already like use and love and and trade every day. And so once I once I started to come to that realization, that's where I kind of uh, changed my mind on on what the NFT landscape looks like. You know, again at that five, ten, twenty year mark, yep. and um, what the actual utility there is, because um, they they appear at face value to be very novel, um, yeah, but they're not. You know, I mean, NFTs are are essentially just like things that, again, that we use every day that that are just digitalized. Um, so, 
you know, there's this fancy mirror behind me or the fancy clock next to me or, you know, these American flag things that, you know, that I got in Baghdad hanging up on my wall. All these things that that could be uh, digitalized, but into a digital world. And, um, you know, they 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 function on the blockchain. So that that function of being on the blockchain assigns ownership and that's uh, inalienable. You can't that that that. Once it's on the blockchain, it is there indefinitely. Um, now you can transfer that, and but that just like adds on to the blockchain and says like Joe Carpenter uh, sent this from his wallet to Josh Lutz's wallet, right? Mm-hmm. So now Josh Lutz owns this. So it really is just, the the blockchain is just kind of assigning ownership. Um, but there's there's a lot of other things that you can do with that as well. Um, so I'll, I'll give some examples and then, um, you know, any questions that you got, we can kind of go from there. Yeah. So a lot of it started out as like GIFs and memes and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the name Beeple. We, we probably talked yeah. about it. Uh, yeah. So so Beeple, uh, when, when I think when people really started to catch on to what NFTs were was when he sold that like $100 million project. It was his first 500 Beeples all in one uh, collage that that he sold as a single product. And it was $100 million somebody bought it for. Um, so the Beeple sold for $100 million. And that's I think that that's when a lot of people were like, holy shit, like this digital product that is represented by nothing more than ones and zeros sold for $100 million. You know, as if it was like a Mona Lisa or something. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, to us, to normal people, you're like, that's fucking bonkers. Like, why would somebody do that? And... Um, I still feel that way that like that is fucking bonkers that somebody would drop a hundred million dollars <laughs> on, on that, that people. Um, but that, that's, that was about, about that time that I was having that, that kind of that change of heart. And so I started looking at, um, you know, what, what is an NFT and, um, you know, again, you and I talked about this, but one of the things that I like to do when I'm interested or like curious in something is I like to just kind of dive into it, um, uh, head first and just do it. And so, you know, I slapped together my own NFT and uh, I created a couple of accounts and um, I minted NFTs. I went through the whole process of creating a graphic, uh, a GIF actually, um, and then going through the process of like having the available cryptocurrency, minting it and um, understanding the process of like listing those NFTs and stuff. Now, it took off so quickly that you kind of have to sift through all the bullshit because there's a lot of, there's, I mean, probably if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions and hundreds of thousands of NFTs that exist now. And most of them are bullshit. I mean, people take like a picture of themselves and, you know, post it on uh, openc.io and be like, Hey, you should buy my NFT, you know, for a hundred dollars and nobody will buy it. Um, And so that's, that's kind of like, it's, it's become oversaturated with people trying to make a quick buck. Uh, but there are a lot of people who are are very talented, very talented artists. And they'll so when you when you think about like uh, going into an artist studio and you know they they do a showing and they've got all their paintings lined up and they're like, you know, you can see see it on the wall and you're like, oh, that's beautiful. You know, I think I'd like to buy that one for a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars or hundred thousand dollars. Um the uh, well-known graphic designers and artists are like creating these basically these online studios where they're now able to showcase their digital art and people can buy them 
And that, that, that transfer of ownership then goes to that person who bought it. It goes into your wallet. So your NFT is actually stored in your wallet. Um, you've probably seen a lot of celebrities who are using the, you know, the board apes as like their uh, profile pictures and stuff like that. Yeah, the crypto um, punks. The, yeah, yeah. yeah there, there's a, uh, there, there's a few of them. Uh, the, the board ape was probably one of the big ones. One of my buddies, <laughs> well, one of our buddies actually, mm-hmm. spent twelve thousand dollars getting one. <laughs> which, again, to me, I'm like, that's fucking bonkers. But, you know, the, the. I, the way to think about those board apes, man, is like 20 years from now, that might be like a first edition Babe Ruth trading card. You know, somebody might be like, dude, you have a first edition board ape. I'll give you a hundred thousand fucking dollars for that thing. You know, so I mean, maybe um, yeah. or, you know, maybe 10 years from now, people are like that that initial concept of NFTs was cool, but like no longer really applies to to like what the 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 final vision of NFTs is. Yeah. Um where I see NFTs really having a lot of value is in the metaverse. Um, you know, think about going, kind of going back to that like studio idea. I showed you some of my paintings. Um, you know, every time I go to a new country, I get a new painting. And um, one thing that I lack in my house, well, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I lack space, but I lack the space to to be able to have like a, a gallery of my own um, to to put all these all these paintings in. Well. In the metaverse, it, your gallery could be anything, anywhere, and you could put up all of your NFTs. You could, you know, put them on shelves or on walls, or you know, the actual scene inside of that metaverse could be its own NFT. Like, hey, man, um, uh, what was that? What was that artist that made like the really trippy uh, paintings? Um, trippy how? Like just like melting eyeballs and elephants with super long legs and shit like that um and it's right on the tip of my tongue um anyways um you know somebody could be like hey like i converted the the mona lisa scene into this into a like a a virtual scene and so you can be inside uh, or like in front of the mona lisa as she was being painted um and you know see all around you and stuff like that and like it's literally like this this scene in the metaverse or that's a you know, really cool example I would have never thought of. Yeah. Um, or like, um, you know, you're, you, when you think about like Ready Player One and like their spaces and like, you know, I mean, literally like cityscapes and stuff like that. Like Josh Lutz has his own apartment in the metaverse and inside of that apartment, he hangs up all of his NFTs that he's bought over the years. <clears throat> Um, so that that's kind of a crude example. Another one would be, um, and I think the most pertinent example uh, would be as uh, like downloadable content or microtransactions in video games, um, mm-hmm. or just virtually altogether. Um, I, I know that like the NBA and the NFL are getting into that NFT space. Um, you know, you can make the digital uh, player cards. Um, but you could also, uh, when, when you think about like Call of Duty or Player Unknown Battlegrounds or um, you know 2042 or something like that, you have all those fancy skins that everybody wants. It's like you know like Thor's thunderclap armor, and you're like that. I really want that armor, um, and you buy it on this game that you might only play for you know six months or two years or I mean maybe you play it for ten years. I don't know. Games are, are changing in their development cycles and their longevity. So 
but you buy this armor and it's the coolest thing that you ever bought and you're like i'm gonna wear this every day in this game that i play every day and then you know three weeks later an even cooler one comes out it's like mm -hmm. tinkerbell's um like <laughs> fight or flight armor or something you're like this yeah. this is this is the armor that i really wanted no this is Fuck no this Thunder shit Fire, right you know? here <laughs> and so so you're so you start rocking tinkerbell and uh you're like but damn now like you know i spent however much money on this this thor's thunderclap armor um and josh is like hey man like that's really cool they don't that one's not available anymore but i really wanted that thor thunderclap one uh let me buy that from you and so now i can sell that to you as an nft um that's where i see the like in in the short term that's where i see the most value is the metaverse and in gaming with nfts um i and think that the digital make, art uh, that would make you know how a lot of times you get a skin or additional stuff for just pre-buying the game or getting one of the first editions yeah. like that's going to make the value of people jumping on early and buying the game at that time even more so because exactly. they know they can get rid of it for all the people that were late to the party yep yeah, that was uh, so. I, like my kids, you know, they uh, um, they've been into Fortnite for some time, and on Fortnite, you know, there, there were some skins that were like in the first season or two that just never came back around, and everybody was like, "Man, like the like those those they weren't even that cool," but they're like just they're so unique and nobody has them because they only existed like in the game's infancy that that everybody wants them, and so think about that. You know, if you have this um, special edition in-game content or like you know that like uh that pre-sale content or something like that mm -hmm. that that you no longer want or care or need you know whatever and but like you know the game is still going strong and there's other people who want that like now you have something of value and i i know that you and i talked about this like you know what about what about the the video game um companies that that lose profits from nfts and um what we had talked about was, I guess, number one, like creating more longevity in games. I think NFTs would help with that. Um, and number two, people still have to purchase all that content. So either make it a little bit more money um, or uh, you just provide more of it. You know, could there be a could you set it up where, like, say, Microsoft sells this? You buy this from Microsoft, then they get a percentage of every transaction for the rest of its entirety. Um, I'm glad that you brought that up because one of the one of the beautiful things about NFTs in the blockchain is when you when you create something you can give it like a a royalty like a built-in royalty um, or just a percentage back to the creator. So if I Joe Carpenter created some some super badass gallery on um, you know DApps or uh, OpenSea.io or uh, whatever NFT marketplace there is right now, and I, I and I minted a whole bunch of items, that, you know, uh, graphic art that I had created. Um, on each one of those, I could assign a royalty to it that would be with it indefinitely. You know, so that could be anywhere from one to it generally like kind of maxes out at about ten percent, but we'll say seven percent is kind of the average. Uh, so seven percent. So I sell it to you for ten dollars, right? I made ten dollars off that flat, yeah, you know, because that it's coming from like the the first one that's coming from the creator. But you turn around and because uh, Joe Carpenter made it big, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna sell this thing for um, for a thousand dollars. Well, I'm getting seventy dollars back from that because I had assigned a seven percent 
royalty to that. Um, so yes, of course, the, the 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 video game producers could could do the same thing. Uh, the the did pretty almost every digital artist that, that lists NFTs has a, a royalty attached to that right now currently. Yeah, um, I was just thinking about music too. Like, yeah, music is a big a, one. That'd be a great example. Mm-hmm. I, I like also you could see be making money. You could be making money from an NFT for eight generations from now, essentially. Yeah. Like how the how the Beatles uh, the Beatles still make they're some of the highest grossing artists ever. Yep. And like John Lennon's still making a ton of money. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. The uh one of the other things too that I kind of see some value in is when it comes to uh content creators in general, you know, whether it be uh, kind of mainstream or just, you know, Joe and Josh sitting at their desks. You could like take like blooper reels and create you know like even if they're just like five second bites out of them and sell that as an nft um videos music anything that you can find on the internet that you can visually see or hear um you could create an nft out of that so it's uh yeah and then where sorry go ahead where i where i, where I get kind of confused is it's still it's still in the art like yeah what's what's the the value outside of being able to say you have it where you can't if there isn't like that you get a one for one sent to your house or like what makes that value to you like a bunch of celebrities are buying this so i i want one okay yeah now you have this whatever by whatever size is it just a value like looking at it as an investment essentially yeah or I think... maybe some people just really like the art and want one i guess but i don't think that's really the case in a lot of it sometimes um if you were to look at my desktop on my computer i use a wallpaper engine from steam and it's pretty sweet wallpaper. It's like uh, like you're flying through space, but it's my wallpaper. Like computers ten years ago couldn't do that. <laughs> not yeah. not to the level of quality that's on my current computer. Uh, you you could make you could make digital content in the form of that wallpaper that people could buy. Um, you know, so I bought a wallpaper engine for four dollars or five dollars or something like that. You could sell that wallpaper for five dollars a pop. So the person who created that is actually being rewarded for their creation. Um, with digital art in general, there's I was actually just kind of out of boredom uh, looking at uh, several galleries earlier today on crypto.com. And um, I, I like to think of myself as somebody who enjoys art in all of its forms. Um, though, you know, I couldn't, I would never profess to be like that connoisseur that's like, oh, you know, the, the, the transition of whites here is magnificent, you know, like <laughs> not that kind of art. I just like, if I look at something that looks cool or beautiful, then like, I, I can appreciate that. Right. And, um, uh, I enjoy space and I had come across this gallery with some products that were on sale and they were all kind of space related, you know, it's like uh astronaut suits with like flowers popping out of the helmets or like you know an astronaut walking through like a like a field of grass 
uh, kind of reminiscent of uh, 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 of Russell Crowe in Gladiator when he's like walking through the wheat field, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and, but it was all like space related, and then like the you know kind of the the sky was like space, like stars and planets and stuff like that. And I was like, this is actually pretty dope. Um, like I, I it, you know, if this wasn't five hundred dollars, I might buy it. And, <laughs> sure. But but somebody who has you know a lot of play money, they might be like, shit, five hundred dollars, I'll buy that. Um, so right now, like, sure, you have, anybody could see that. I mean, I'm sure you could find a way to download it, but like, that's yours, you know, they're like this, this, um, this digital artist created this and it belongs to you. But by that same token, you know, with the Mona Lisa, I could find a picture of the Mona Lisa and fucking have it printed on a large enough canvas and say it's the Mona Lisa and hang it in my house. So there's no real difference in that, that, um, that theft of of intellectual property um maybe the ease by which it's accomplished but the yeah. uh just being able to say that you own it i guess I, I would say that a lot of people probably like you like you noted a lot of people see it as as an investment opportunity um or just they see the vision of what nfts are going to be in the future and they're like hey i'm gonna i want to participate in this and so it, it's more of a participation thing um that'll be a, a pretty costly participation and then other people actually see like the what it's intended for or the 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 graphic artist would it want it to be intended for which is the art um yeah and i, and I guess definitely like some of the things i find appealing some people don't and uh, the other way around like the i don't find the apes that that crazy but like some of people's art i find like really rad yeah but the yeah. board the board apes just seem like the same ape with something else some different hat or a cigarette in its mouth or yeah so one of the things that drives that kind of exorbitant costs of nfts right now is what i was talking about earlier today with the gas fees of ethereum so in order to actually like make it worth your time you almost have to charge hundreds hundreds of dollars um for an nft but but once you move into that space where you know people are minting maybe Maybe that 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 one of those videos that I was talking about, uh, you know, the space scenes and stuff like that. Maybe um, that artist mints 500 of them, and they run it on like Polygon, and it costs a couple cents to 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 move that back and forth and to mint it and stuff like that. So, um, so she she sells her products for, you know, fifty dollars a pop. You know, if it was fifty bucks, I might have actually bought it, dude. Um, sure. Just yeah. just because I you know like I appreciate the people who who take the time to make things like that that i like to look at you know um and so kind of to to like finish answering that question um what can you do with it you know besides just like mm-hmm. opening it up on your screen and look at it like oh that was cool 50 bucks now i'll open it again in six months um i, I think that once we see more integration into the metaverse and just a virtual world in general and like virtual spaces and a decentralized internet, uh, which hopefully we get there. Hopefully we don't end up more like China. Hopefully we go the other direction. Um, I suppose even if we do end up like a China, you know, we'll probably still have a metaverse um, where you can display that art to the world and enjoy that art. Maybe, you know, when you jump into Josh's apartment that you walk in and his walls are just one huge canvas of this video of like stars and shit like that right so i that's and that kind of goes back to the people who i see ha- like 
diving in, into the NFT world right now as like part of a vision. Okay. So in, in any endeavor, you're going to have people who fall into multiple categories, you know, whether it's uh, their intentions are altruistic or malicious or um, they're simply just entrepreneurs in it for the money. Uh, maybe, you know, a combination of all of the above or they simply just enjoy things that other people create. Um, that there's there's a lot of kind of buckets that could be filled here. And it's it's got a lot of those same dangers as Bitcoin, right? Where people are probably using it as like a possible laundering and cash I'm sure grab. that there's laundering going on. Yeah, I, I would say that there's if if you're jumping in into it, if you're jumping into NFTs and as an investment, um, then yeah, there's probably some some volatility there you know <laughs> uh, because you you might purchase something for a hundred dollars and never ever recover the cost uh you might you might purchase something for twelve thousand dollars like a board ape and never recover that cost um but on the flip side you know going back to it being an investment you may very well recover that and more um but i, I would say that people who are interested in nfts right now um you can do it for the investments, but that's not really, that's not my area of, of expertise. I would say that NFTs, it just like most uh, creative content should be enjoyed for what they are at face value. Yeah, the, the whenever I started like kind of getting a better understanding of where the value comes from is like all the additional things that can be attached to it. Like if you're doing art, you might actually get a one for one by that artist hand painted to your house. Like there can, if you had an NFT from some chef and however they want to make an NFT you, that can come with a, they come to your house and make you a private meal or you get invited to this club and, or you get some kind of actual tangible enjoyment from it as well. Like that's the, how, how yeah, you I can think attach that stuff is kind of rad. What I still don't understand much about it. Yeah, that actually reminds me, and I'm glad you brought that up because I, I don't know how I managed to to kind of completely gloss over that. The um, the attribution of NFTs to physical uh, physical products. So you know, if you buy a book, you could get an NFT copy of that book. Or um, if you were to go out and buy, you know, uh, Jay Z's new album, you get an NFT copy of that album or something. Uh, even though most people use, you know, Spotify or Pandora and iHeartRadio now, um, so you, you you could very well conceivably buy like a you know a physical painting, and then get a digital copy of that painting that you could hang in your own little digital gallery. Um, mm -hmm. So there's yeah the the two can definitely go hand in hand, and no additional costs. You know, you just how, as somebody who's like built an NFT, how how would you? put that additional stuff in there then like guarantee that it's going to come to fruition. I think that there's probably a couple ways you could do it. Um, I like if you're actually selling a product, you know, on like Shopify or Amazon or eBay or something like that, uh, you could provide a code that allows okay. for the download of that um, upon purchase or uh, conversely to that. If you're, if you're selling the NFT that comes with a physical product, um, on like OpenSea.io or um, you know Crypto.com and stuff like that, they they give you the option of like the you know does this come with a physical product? Okay. Um, 
but those those larger ones they're 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 not like the wild west i mean they you know they actually have like checks and balances for making sure that there's like follow through and stuff oh and when it comes to the nft itself it's housed on those platforms so if you buy it it immediately transfers to your wallet your crypto wallet um that could you know in, in terms of listeners that you know that that could be something that that's worth exploring too is just like you know how does one go about opening up a wallet um in order to have a warm wallet now you have to the the sec uh, has said that you that that any um crypto like trading companies like coinbase or crypto.com have to go through the the kyc requirements the know your client requirements so it's much like opening up a bank account or um or like a like a like a trading account with a with a brokerage um so you actually have to in order to be able to trade you have to like um you know take a picture of your id and like you know give your full name and social and stuff like that which for a lot of people can be daunting they're like what the fuck mm-hmm. like i just want to trade some crypto like isn't this shit supposed to be decentralized and stuff um, but to have those warm wallets and actually be able to trade, you, that you have to have that, um, and that that's a that's a, a federal requirement. And there's probably some good and bad there. Uh, the good being that it is more more heavily regulated than it was, you know, five years ago. So it, you can feel pretty confident jumping into to one of the big uh, crypto traders that like you're not going to get scammed. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely still ways to get scammed, but, you know, there's going to be disclaimers and stuff like that. that are like, hey, you know, if you're jumping into this one, you know, keep in mind that, you know, this this may be like a new coin or, you know, make sure you you double check the wallet. And um, so there's a lot of checks and balances that are kind of being worked into it now. But like if you're just a a normal person and you're like, man, I actually do want to start trading this stuff. It is super easy now to open an account. Uh, I mean, it take you five minutes. Like you log into to one of them. You type in your name, social um, address, because, you know, again, know your client requirements. Um, take a picture of your ID and it'll like do it there on the spot. And it'll be like, please allow us up to 24 hours to review this. But usually, you know, it's like five minutes and then you get an email. It's like, hey, your account is good. You can trade. Um, and then you just send money from your bank account and you buy Bitcoin or Ethereum or Kronos or, you know, whatever. Uh, you, you touched over it a little bit, but and I, I didn't know anything about it really before going into this. But um, can you uh, kind of go over like how the block, what the blockchain is, and how it works a little bit? Yeah. Um, so in I think our last episode or the episode before with with uh, with Adam when we were talking, uh, just you know, kind of glossing over uh, crypto and NFTs, I was using the example of like an actual filing cabinet, um, and you and I have loads of paperwork, like just stupid amounts of paperwork that we've gotten over the years, right? From from various (laughs) things that that we've done. And what I like to think of it as is like, if you were to take this like file, just a big old file, and this file represents Josh's whole career, and you were to just extract a page from that, and that page was like, he worked on on a hit today. Um. For people who don't know, that's a heavy equipment transport. It's the largest truck in the U.S. military's arsenal. Um, Today, Josh worked on a hit. Well, like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That doesn't do anything for anyone, you know, like if you were to just take that single piece of paper out. Um, But if you were to put it back in there and, like, kind of go through in context, like, 
you know, Josh did this on this day. Josh did this on this day. Josh did this on this day. As a, that that file would 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 essentially be like what the blockchain represents, and that piece of paper is like those lines. It's like um, Joe sent this crypto over to Josh, right? Or um, this wallet, because it's not going to say Joe and Josh and stuff like that. It's just going to mm-hmm. be the wallet numbers. Um, this wallet purchased a million dollars worth of Bitcoin, and then sold five hundred thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin. Um, so that that that's what the blockchain is. The blockchain is it, it is that um, that transcript of everything that's occurred uh, with that crypto. But it gotcha. but it's 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 it exists forever. Like you know, barring worldwide catastrophe, as long as that crypto exists, that blockchain exists, and um, that history exists. But that's what allows it to be so secure. Um, it also, I mean, even though there are certain things that aren't um, anonymous, like if I knew your wallet address, which is why you don't want people to know your wallet address, but if I knew your wallet address and, uh, I, you know, I knew, well, I didn't know anything else, then I could I could say, okay, well, there was X amount of transfers of these three different coins into into this wallet, and I know exactly how much you have in there. So that's where it gets a little dicey, but it would be pretty hard to to accomplish that without actually just like you telling me your, your wallet, right? Um, because everything is very well encrypted. So. Good, yeah, yeah. Because all, all I'd ever, all I'd ever heard before is like, yeah, then it's in the blockchain, and I'm like, okay. I mean, like, I don't really know much more about that, but that answers a lot of questions. Yeah, um, going back to like the, you know, like XRP with with bank to bank transfers and stuff like that. That's another one of the ways that it's appealing is because it's kind of indefinitely on the blockchain. You can say, um, you know, U.S. Bank transferred X amount of money to uh, First National or something. So. Um, the last thing that I wanted to, to touch on, uh, I know we're we're kind of teetering on that hour, which is a little bit longer than we usually shoot for, but um, staking and liquidity pools. So staking and liquidity pools um, are, are, I wouldn't say that they're a new concept, but they're they're kind of taken off. Um, and what that allows people to do, um, actually, I'm going to digress a little bit. Ethereum, the cost of gas fees, it's 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 pretty prohibitive, right? Uh, for normal people, you know, the average person trading a little bit of, of crypto here and there. Ethereum is very expensive. Uh, staking, uh, what what a lot of coins are moving to is the, and Ethereum will eventually be moving to is is staking and staking. Basically, what's happening is like Josh bought one thousand Ethereum tokens, and he staked them. He says, "I'm not going to use this Ethereum. You X Y Z company or pool can use my one thousand Ethereum to." Um, facilitate transactions on the Ethereum blockchain. And then you get a kickback in the form of like an APY or an APR for the Ethereum that you pledged um, for staking or for pooling. And that that accomplishes two things. Number one, it, it creates liquidity um, so that like it the, the transactions happen faster because if somebody's like, oh, I wanna buy a thousand shares of Ethereum right now, 
um, instead of instead of that that company having to go out and find a, a seller with a thousand Ethereum, they can just say, "Oh, we we got a thousand right here. We're going to take Josh's, and then we'll give it back to him once we find a, the seller." Right. So it creates liquidity and speed, um, but it also uh, reduces volatility. Uh, so by having that thousand coins, it's not being traded hands. And I mean, you multiply Josh's one thousand coins by you know, a thousand people's other thousand coins. And you can see how that that volatility would be reduced because it's not changing hands so much and changing in price so much. Mm -hmm. um, you're still going to have volatility, but that's kind of the idea behind staking. And then liquidity pools, what they do is they, they they'll they'll uh, take like two coins and stake them against each other. Um, and, and you can actually like build interest on these. Like if you were to, you know, take out a CD or a bond or something like that, um, with it with staking in these liquidity pools and some of them are very lucrative the the, the one key thing to remember with these um, you know if they're something of interest to people is um, liquidity pools you'll you'll see liquidity pools where it's like 100,000 percent APY which is just absurd you know it's an astronomical APY mm. um, but um, sure, like right now it might be at 100,000% APY. Tomorrow it might be 50,000 APY. The next day it might be 25,000 APY, um, so on and so forth down the line. Um, but the but even beyond the, the, the volatility of the APY, because the smaller the liquidity pool, the more volatility there's going to be with that APY and stuff. Um, and also the value of the token associated or the tokens associated with that liquidity pool. So... Um, if you were to jump into one that has like, you know, a, a, we'll say an APY of 10,000%, which is very high, right? You know, maybe a couple hundred percent APR. And uh, you you jump into it and like, sure, that thing's cranking, you know, like a couple days, you've already doubled what you put into it. Um, but the, the value of the tokens that are associated with that liquidity pool have dropped. The APY is not tied to fiat. It's not tied to the U.S. dollar. It's tied to those tokens. And so you might be getting, you might, it, 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 in terms of APY, be getting a lot of tokens back. But if the value of those tokens are dropping, then um, you're not really making anything or you're losing value. Mm -hmm. um, but on the flip side of that, the reason that it's appealing to people is because it is very lucrative. And you could, could, I want to be clear, could, high risk, high reward, um, you know, potentially have great returns off of those. So that was kind of the last piece. Those are the the main components to like the crypto world. I think that are hot for discussion right now is just crypto itself. What is it? Um, NFTs, and then the liquidity and staking. If you want to do, if you want to just have stakes and use them for whatever company, could you do that through those same wallets? Or like, what's the process of that look like? Do you know? Yeah, I, there's a there's a lot of different uh, mediums by which you can do that right now. You can do it from literally from your wallet. Uh, you know, if it's through like crypto.com or something like that. Um, I'm, you know, th th there's there's plenty of them out there. Uh, but mm -hmm. you can do it from your wallet, or you can connect your wallet to uh, whichever you know, whichever like organization is facilitating those liquidity pools and the staking and uh, you hold you hold it in your wallet, but they're like, hey, we're gonna connect your wallet, ensure that you have this, and we're gonna like we're gonna take this and stake it. Um so you lose you lose control over it, but it's it's you know, the idea is that like if you wanted to, you could cash out at any time. Um 
or you just let it ride and you know collect the the interest diamond hands <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff to soak in yeah i'm sure we'll have to uh have another as this keeps growing i mean we're in the infancy we'll have to have more conversations about it throughout i have no doubt we'll have plenty of conversation kind of naturally especially with adam yeah when you talk about explaining it like you're explaining it to a six-year-old i i think uh, mm-hmm. his his uh his understanding of the the crypto world is probably at about a six year old level, so we'll get him there though. We'll get him to to like yeah. a teenage and, level. <laughs> and that's got to be most. So I mean, I hope this finds a bunch of people and they find it very beneficial. I know I did just sitting here talking to you. Yeah, good, good. You gotta have your sister listen to it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I uh, I would say, man, we... like if you if you not not you personally, just anybody. If you are somebody who creates digital content in any way, shape, or form, um, you know whether it be music, art, uh, games, whatever, I I think that it, if you're not getting into NFTs and like um, trying to exploit that as a, as an additional avenue by which to like grow your brand, then you're um, you're really doing yourself an injustice. Because it will be the future, regardless of people's personal opinions on it. It's um, NFTs are not going to go away, and it just, just much like you know YouTube or uh, social media, like NFTs just create another opportunity for somebody who is trying to grow their brand, grow their business to do that. Yeah, well said. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful time to end it right there. Awesome. Well, fuck you, Adam. Fuck you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs>